0: With a career covering nearly two decades, Mining International partners with new and junior miners and larger predominant players in the market. With no further ado, here is your host, Rob Tyson. Hi mining community, welcome back to another episode
1: of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Stuart Dixon, CEO of Variscan Mines Limited, a natural resources company focused on the development of high impact based metal projects who currently have um, some assets in Spain and Chile. Students are returning guests, and we had him on the podcast back in December 2019, uh, where we spoke to him about transitioning from the army into mining. Um, And now we've invited him back onto the show to talk about mining in Europe, around supply chains, raw materials, strategy, role of zinc in modern technologies, and why they've joined the European Battery Alliance. So, I'd like to welcome Stuart again. How are you doing, Stuart? Well, Rob, good to see you again. Yeah, and yourself, you're keeping well. Yeah. Um, just want to, wanted to give the audience a very brief overview um, of your background. If obviously people want to know more about yourself, uh, we did do a uh, a bit of a longer. Um, introduction back in December 2019. I wasn't sure what number of podcast that is but if you go back to December 2019 they can uh, get a little bit more background about yourself. But if you can give uh, the audience a brief overview of yourself.
2: Uh, thanks Rob. Um, so as you mentioned my, uh, my first career was in the military uh, where I served for seven years uh, in various roles around the world uh, doing difficult things in difficult places. Uh, which which I think equipped me for my later careers in finance as I moved into finance, having, having gone to business school. I worked in investment banking, covering the mining sector, and latterly was managing director of metals and mining at Canter Fitzgerald, based in London. Uh, from there, I then moved on to the corporate side of the, uh, of, of the industry, uh, where, as you rightly said, I'm uh, CEO of Veriskin Mines, was appointed in May 17, and I'm also a non executive
1: of a, also a London listed gold producer as well. Okay. So i just want to speak about obviously Varescan kind of Minds. Um you're currently focused on fast tracking to advanced sync projects in Spain. Um what's the latest coming from Spain?
2: Well there's a lot coming out of Spain uh that, that's really good and that's across the whole industry there. Uh, and I think that's that's symptomatic of what else is happening in Europe and we'll we'll come on and talk about that I'm sure, sure later on. But specifically for Veriskan, you're right, last year we acquired two brownfield. Uh, zinc projects, uh, one in the north of Spain in Cantabria, and one in the uh, Castilla La Mancha uh, region in the center of Spain. And these are brownfield projects with greenfield exploration and upside potential. And I think that's really important because it de risks them su- substantially. So the first one is the Navales zudias project, where really a twofold opportunity exists. The first one is around the former San Jose mine, it's a former operational underground mine. And there we're really seeking near-term resource potential and the uh, potential for early stage production. The second strand of the strategy there is the development of the Buena Ora tenement area which surrounds the San Jose mine. And there you've got numerous small-scale workings and really what we're trying to do there is join them all up into a regionally significant resource akin to uh, the Rio Thin mine, which was formerly owned by Extrata Zinc Uh, Closed in 2003 and was a world-class deposit with 62 million tons at 8.7% zinc and 1% lead. So we're in the right address there Uh, and really excited. In the center, uh, Guajara's project is located just south of Madrid and near the town of Toledo and is centered around another former underground producing mine, La Union. And again, what we're trying to do there is prove up a, a resource quickly uh, this has a non-JORK compliant uh, resource of um, five to 10 million tons of around 10% zinc. Uh, so we think we've got really exciting projects there. Um, we've been busy establishing a data set of historic um, drilling. Now over 30,000 meters worth of historic drilling over the, the Cantabrian projects, um, which has shown extensions of the, uh, of the trend, which we're looking for, the Rio thin trend. And really in the underground area, it's also showing great potential to test the mine at depth where it wasn't mined at depth at all. And we've seen indications of dolomite, which is the host rock of uh, zinc sulfide mineralization. So lots of exploration potential there. And the big news really coming out there, we've just been granted our underground mining license or uh, underground mining, sorry, drilling approval. Um, So we're busy to get on uh, drilling there. Uh, and really prove up what is there, uh, and um, and see what we can do. Bueno Aura, we're obviously still working on that area too, and getting that ready for the for the subsequent drill campaign. Yep,
1: yeah. and obviously with this uh, recent uh, approval, how's that been working so far in Spain? And what challenges, I suppose, have you have you faced?
2: Well, well I think we all find numerous challenges at the moment, <laughs> um, uh, and that's nothing new in the mining industry, yeah. but. But, but, but often people talk about some of the challenges operating in Europe and operating in Spain as being something that's really quite unique, and actually they're not. Um, they're very similar, um, and it's a common theme of mine. Wherever you're operating, you really need to set yourself the highest standards by which you, by which you want to operate. But we've found, at the regional level, huge significant support and goodwill. But it's more than goodwill, it's actions. So in 2017, the president, of Cantabria changed the uh, land use laws uh, to allow more exploration and really he is uh, so proactive and committed to re-establishing a recommencement of the zinc industry. It's a former mining province so they know about the benefits that um, mining at small scale and large scale can have uh, on the the region. So We've been visited by uh, in the last uh, month by the um, minister for industry and energy, and you know they they were very keen to see the progress we're making. So when you have proactive policy decisions and positive relationships, that gives us really strong confidence to continue to move that project going forward. That's at the political level, the community level. Which is arguably much more important because that's that that that's your day to day. We are embedded in the local communities. Everything we do is within that, is is within our project area. Um, as I said, it's a former mining district, so it's in the DNA of, of of locals. They they everyone knows somebody who used to work at Rio Thin or they used to work at San Jose and. Um, we're often find, find that people come up and talk to us and say, hey, you're working on the mine, or you're working on the project, you know, my grandfather worked there, or, 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 or you know, everyone has a real deep rooted personal connection to mining. So that really helps and it aligns everybody um, in, in many ways. And I think when you're open, when you're transparent, when you have common understandings, um, it makes life a lot more comfortable for, for everybody. And we've been very clear about a local first approach. So local first in terms of procurement in our supply chains, local first in terms of employment opportunities. Um, and we've just just opened a new job bank with the with the local mayor. So we so we practice what we preach. And I have to say, winding all of that together is we found Spain and particularly northern Spain, Cantabria, where decisions around mineral exploitation are. Uh, Devolved to the regions in Spain. We found a very very promising uh, Area so you need to make that distinction within Spain from just the macro level to actually the region which you're operating in because uh, A lot of local decisions are in my opinion quite rightly made by locals
1: Yeah, with your other assets are they in mining previous mining towns and districts and if they're not Have you had any sort of opposition or challenges from those communities?
2: No, we, as you mentioned, we've got an interest in a project in uh, Chile, uh, and again, that has a common, um, a common theme to our Spanish projects in that it's a, a small-scale operation, the Rosario project, um, next to a large uh, Cadelco mine, the the state copper producer, the El Salvador mine, on the outskirts of El Salvador town. So again you know, a completely proven mining jurisdiction uh, in its own right as a country, and then specifically within the local town. So we've been very fortunate that, and deliberate, to identify and wanted to work in areas where uh, there is a strong history of mining. Um, We think it de risks the project significantly and makes it more likely to to be value accrued for all stakeholders.
1: How do you see the future of mining in Spain, but and also in Europe?
2: Well, there's a lot going on in Spain. Um, there always has been. Uh, okay. You know, they've been mining in Spain and in Europe um, for, um, for since the Romans, uh, really. So, but I think, particularly at a European level, I think we're on the cusp of great change. Yeah. And why do I say that? I think because there's increasing realization of the role that metals can play in a green and energy efficient future. And I think it's now quite well understood that if we want a greener, cleaner, circular economy, actually the paradox is we need to mine more uh, because we need those metals for for the iPhones that we all operate, the smart devices that make our homes more efficient, that allows us to do do things in a a much more sophisticated way. That all requires metal. And I think the EU uh, has long recognized this, and they've had critical raw materials lists for, for well over a decade. But what they haven't really had is a policy and an action stra- industrial strategy to support that. And I think what COVID has done has acted as an accelerant to realizing the resilience, oh, sorry, to re- realizing the reliance on certain supply chains of key materials. And that is not attractive in a, in a fragmented world uh, where you do see the rise of, uh, of national interests and, and, and social interests um, at the times of great, great strain which the pandemic brings on. So only in the last week you've seen the EU update its um, list of critical raw materials, it's published an action plan for that which on first read looks, looks sensible, um, and has established a critical raw materials alliance which will probably be expanded to include base metals in the future and that 's again very exciting for us as a as a zinc uh, as a zinc project developer. Um, the European Commission is already working with member states to identify mining and processing projects which will be operational by two thousand and twenty five um, you 've seen the EU green deal published um, which sets Europe on a on a path to carbon neutrality by 2050 um, and but against all of that backdrop um, you still have large um, areas of potential of unexploited mineral uh, deposits in the nordics in the iberian peninsula uh, in the balkans uh, so 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 i think really now the challenge is is to is to really deliver on that strategy in practical terms and and make um, nations, communities, uh, and and supranational organizations like the EU all work together to say, okay, well, we all recognize this. How do we deliver it? And I think you're beginning to see that first stage of delivery um, largely as a response of COVID, uh, where governments now will um, have injected large amounts of fiscal stimulus and you're already seeing support packages um, around the industrial projects and so when you look at large-scale industrial projects they tend to employ a lot of people um, which is obviously good for the economy it's why governments do it but they also tend to require a lot of raw materials and so uh, as again as a, as a zinc company we're very um, we're very bullish on the future of, of, of not only zinc application in construction and and the automobile industry which is well known and well understood but we're also really excited about the potential for zinc in much smaller quantities for its role to play in battery and energy storage efficiencies and that's why we uh, applied and have been approved to be a member of the european battery alliance um, because we really want to be part of the future of and this is where we see positive mining um or, or positive Contribution that mining can make to the future economy, to the future society, um, and, and that's something that that the personally I feel strongly about, and I know and I know everybody else in the organisation does. So, so we're we're super excited to be collaborating with people all the way through that value chain, and um, we'll see where it goes.
1: Yeah, um, obviously we talk uh, just talking about Europe at the moment. Is there more is there more attractive areas within Europe than other more attractive companies, uh, sorry, countries than other countries. And is there any particular types of commodities that are strong uh, that has a strong footprint within Europe?
2: I think Europe, um, Europe as a whole, as I said, has been a, a, is a well well known geologically. It's been studied uh, extensively, and there've been there've been plenty of maps which um, which are out there on the internet which you can download, which show strategic deposits. Uh, of all sorts of of metal groups um, uh, and you know particularly in our own, you can see the, the role of um, of Ireland in zinc. You can see the role of Spain in zinc. you can see the role of the Balkans in zinc, Sweden uh, with zinc um, there 's numerous copper, copper developments uh, going on not only in the south of Spain but then also more widely in Eastern Europe. The old coal fields of, of Western Europe are well known and well understood and, and again, we are all transitioning away from. From that heavy carbon industry so I think that's well known and well understood but I think really the future of looking at mining in Europe is is one of what are the right projects in the right places with the right commodities rather than what so a much more um, focused approach rather than that kind of more general well let's build a mining industry because I don't think there is an appetite for that I think there's an appetite for for, for for clearly viable projects which have um, clear linkages to the future economies, future industries, um, rather than just extracting minerals for, 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 for purely for a profit motive. Um, so I think I think you need that social motive um, to to make these projects successful. Um, and I think Europe as a whole, as I said, is on the cusp of great change. But it does require not only that top down policy statement, but it does require that bottom up want and need, and then just taking it back to our own example, that's why that devolved decision making at the local level in Spain is so important and I'd like to see more of that uh, around mineral extraction policy development across Europe uh, and arguably globally because I think it's only right that communities in which those deposits are located have buy-in and have a say and share the benefits. Um, So I think we're moving in that direction. Um, but, but, but but time will tell.
1: Yeah. I mean, talking obviously about local communities, will these local communities sort of support mining projects within Europe? And do you think from country to country, there's going to be different reactions?
2: Almost certainly. And I think you should expect different reactions. I don't think that's a bad thing. Be comfortable with that because every situation is different. Uh, if you live in a, a uh, particular area of outstanding national beauty, natural beauty, then, then quite rightly you want to preserve that. That's a logical um, response to have. If you, uh, if you don't have that, or can, or can a mining method be employed differently, so build an underground mine rather than an open pit mine, for example. You know, I think those decisions are now being baked into project development uh, considerations much earlier. Um, so I think you should expect different responses. I don't think a one-size-fits-all approach works either in Europe or anywhere in the world, because I think mining companies now probably leading the charge in this, uh, in this area because they, they recognise that industries have to set themselves the highest standards um, by which they operate, and that includes earning your social licence to operate. And I use that word earning deliberately, because a lot of people say you've got to get your social license you know as if, as if it's something you go and buy off the supermarket or you just get a piece of paper. you have to earn it, you have yeah. to earn trust you have to earn respect in the same way that other other industries and other people do and I don't think we should think about it any any differently um, so Europe has always been seen as a difficult place to get community buy-in because it's a more advanced uh, economies because mu- because the contribution of of the extractive industries has always been that much smaller. Um, so you could, there was always this, well, we can pick and choose. We don't want to have that. Um, and I think now you're seeing actually, e- even across all geographies, that that, that um, community buy-in, and I was talking with someone earlier about their projects in South America, uh, and they had huge challenges in, in very remote areas with very poor farmers. Because rightly they, this is our land. This is our resource. This is, you know, so and you need to to as you, as you develop the project, make the project as much as it is yours theirs. Because that's a that's the key key mentality. My humble opinion about this, because all stakeholders need to benefit, uh, and and not just a small few. So, I think. Um, I think you are seeing more, more, more buy in from communities in Europe. I think we're seeing, you know, I can only speak about our own projects, which we're involved in, and uh, we're seeing a lot of buy in, but we're very slow, very cautious, very considered, thoughtful about how we present ourselves and, and the project to, 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 um, to, to, to our stakeholders. And, and we, we deliberately want to partner with. With them as equals, and that's that, that. has been our approach.
1: Yeah. Do you think it's more difficult to mine within? If we obviously we're talking about Spain because you have an asset in Spain, mm-hmm. is is it more difficult to mine in Spain with local communities and and governments compared to say you're in obviously uh, you've got another project in South America? Is do similar situations crop up? Or they're completely different challenges and situations, um, and is one sort of jurisdiction. Easy, uh, uh, and I suppose you're talking as a country. Um, is it easier in Europe compared to South America? From your from your experience,
2: I'm very wary about broad brush generalisations like that, Rob. Yeah. Uh, and um, I think I think there are some common themes, yeah. uh, that, which run through all of this. Um, I think um, honesty, transparency, uh, communication, um, uh, and that sharing of benefits uh, approach needs to be um, needs to be uh, the foundations of, of what what you need to do wherever you are. There are just certain things that you just need to do and get and get right. I think a cultural sensitivity, a cultural awareness. Um, even as something as simple as, you know, having a few lines of the local language to be able to break down those those basic um, communication, um, salutations even, uh, go such a long way. Um, I think when it becomes more sophisticated, I think then that's when you really need to be um, location specific, community specific. Uh, I mean, even within, um, uh certain geographies you end up with with quite different uh factions within within a small place within a small locality so that could be either on a geographic basis or a, a religious basis or a wealth basis so i think you need to be um i think you need to be mindful of that and that's why I, i'm I, I think there are some common themes as a base slot baseline a bedrock yeah. And then really, you've got to really knuckle, in on, knuckle down on the detail which relevant to you and your locations.
1: Yeah. I well, want to move on to obviously talk about Zinc. Um, obviously, that's what um, you guys are involved in. So what's, what would you say the outlook for Zinc is? Well, it's having a, a strong run recently.
2: Um, and I think prices are going to continue to edge higher as, as we go through 2020. Uh, I think COVID uh, had an interesting effect on, on, the, on the mine supplier. I've seen varying varying estimates of a five to twenty percent reduction in mine supply of zinc during that during that uh, the height of the first wave of the pandemic. Now, obviously, no one can predict um, where that's going to go, but but you can't just switch on and off mines, and it's hugely challenging technically and financially to do that. Um, I think that obviously some mine supply has been brought back on that was, that had that been um, been taken offline during during that hot first wave. Um, so I think you're still going to see a little bit of, of shortage of supply. Um, and you, you've kind of got an, on demand side, a very interesting dynamic at the moment where you've seen a much stronger than expected um, rebound in economic activity in China. Uh, there 's a lot of talk about a v shaped recovery economic recovery for for china um, now it 's early days on, on, on that but it's but it 's promising in terms of them being one of the largest consumers of of, of, of zinc and, and, and other industrial metals for that matter but what 's driving that? it comes back to the themes that I mentioned earlier it 's government stimulus it's policy support um, so you end up with a bit of a dynamic at the moment which you've still got reasonably high inventories by by recent measures, but you've also got rising spot prices. And that's counterintuitive because you'd expect rising inventories to have falling prices um, because there's there's a glut of supply, Um, but that's not the case. But this has been seen before in 2009 after the GFC. And again, you need to look at what's the common theme. It's the role of central banks, the role of policy, and I think, um, so I think in that sense, uh, there is a blueprint there for, for where zinc is gonna go. Um, I never like to, uh, to give a prediction because, <laughs> because uh, <laughs> you get caught out wildly, w- wildly on that. Um, and I'll leave that to much better qualified people to do than I, but I think we are, we're quietly confident about the outlook for, for the industrial metals group um, and, um, and zinc in particular.
1: Yeah. I um, want to obviously slowly wrap this up now. Um, I've got one more question. What is the sort of outlook for, for you guys over the next six to 12 months and, and possibly uh, beyond that? So it's all about
2: drilling for us, um, for Foskin, and um, arguably that's, that's what it's all about for most companies. So we're, we're very pleased to have um, developed, sorry, been pre-granted the uh, mining approval, um, we've been uh, sorry. The drilling approval to be to be absolutely good for the underground mine, yeah. And, and we're busy readying ourselves for for, for drilling to commence. So we spent the day talking to drilling contractors, uh, and, and that's what it's all about. So I'm super excited to test yep. this, test this asset to get the drill bit turning, and then simultaneously also continuing our field work on Buena Aura, uh, the surrounding exploration package, and also get the drill bit turning on that area in short order.
1: Yeah. Okay, Stuart. Appreciate the, the update uh, on on your uh, developments and uh, give us an insight uh, into sort of, I suppose, Europe as a as a destination for the mining industry and also um, an update on the, the zinc market as well. Um, uh, it seems at the moment a lot of the news is uh, predominantly around precious metals, so um, it's good to hear it's good to hear from um, from yourself regarding zinc. So um, I wish you well in the future. With, uh, with all the, the drilling results. Um, and for our audience, if, um, if appreciate you uh, obviously listening. And if you guys um, could share this podcast, this episode, onto other people within the industry, I appreciate that. Especially people that are mining in Europe and also in, involved in the zinc industry. Um, I think they appreciate, appreciate you sharing this episode with them. Um, to hear Stuart's uh, Stuart's thoughts so thank you again Stuart really appreciate your time and
0: until next time happy mining thanks for listening to dig deep the mining podcast if there are any topics you want discussed or questions you want to ask any guests then you can email us at rob at mining-international.org Or you can follow Rob and Mining International on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube for more content and to have your questions answered. Until next time, happy mining!